Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hello, everybody, and welcome to um, this week's episode. I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. Um, I have with me tonight Guile. Hey, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast. And Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr. And Devin. Hi, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter. And tonight should be fun because um, I am moderating and really winging it. So if I forget part of this chapter, like, please send hate mail to Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Or... <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. You're, she's stepping up, not winging it. Well, Thank you. No, this is how I moderate anyway, so this should be oh. fun. Um, so tonight we're covering <laughs> um, a, st- a Storm of Swords, Tyrion's Chapter 9, um, which is about Tyrion's trial. Um, and so is everybody ready to just dive right into this long, hot mess? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, we open with Tyrion talking to his uncle Kevin, who um, seems pretty convinced that he is guilty of killing Joffrey. Um, And basically, Kevin's like, Cersei has a great case built against you. She's got tons of witnesses. Who are your witnesses? And um, that's kind of when the the hijinks begin, um, because Tyrion can't seem to think of anybody but Sansa. Um, Who who else could he have called? Who is he not thinking of here? Well, I mean, I don't know that he could have called anyone that would help him, right? Like, you know, you think of people that he might have even thought were sympathetic, like Garland Tyrell, who's sure as hell going to, like, not yeah, actually... Right, he did it, so he's not going to do anything. <laughs> and, you know, that's who was sitting with. You know, we know he was sitting with the Tyrells and stuff, so I don't know that he, you know... I guess, like, you'd go after the, okay, what's the point, you know, I guess you'd have to go with the, what was he poisoned with, who would have had, you know, how would he have, you know, who can prove that Tyrion had access to the poison, you know, but I mean, I don't, yeah, there's really no way for him out of this, like, he's sitting there with a smoking gun in his hand. Yeah, well, it's kind of, how do you prove a negative? How do you prove I didn't do this? yeah. Uh, so Tyrion, um, as kind of a, a last gasp chance, um, asks for Podrick to be sent to him, and then he has Pod uh, go and track down Bronn, which turns into like a two-day ordeal. Um, and when Podrick finally brings Bronn back, or Bronn to Tyrion, um, Bronn is <laughs> dressed really well and about to go marry um, Lala Stokeworth because Cersei has bribed him with a noble bride and like the hope of inheriting a, a pretty decent castle. Um, I don't know. It's funny how Tyrion is at all surprised by this. Well, I think Tyrion has that great line about, you know, I liked you because you were black, you know, black hearted, you know, like 
you know, even this then, is, though, I this feel is like, why we were friends. Right. And I mean, even though, I mean, you kind of get the feeling that if, if Cersei had chosen anyone but Gregor Clegane as her champion, you know, Bronn, I feel like, would have considered it. But he you was like, so? I mean, because he's sort of like, well, he's, because he's obviously like, he goes through this thing about like thinking about how he'd fight him. So, I mean, I feel like he's thought of it. Like he's thought about this being a possibility. So yeah, I, I know, definitely think he would have fought if it was anybody else. Like random kettle black brother number five or something. <laughs> how many names? <laughs> oh, can I think of? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he really, I mean, and I think when he leaves, he kind of has that good line about like, you know, oh, you know what? You know, he asked Tyrion, like, "What are you gonna do?" And you know, I think he has like some re- he has some regret about it. And then obviously, like, what he names, you know, Lala's child names him after Tyrion. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> he's definitely still Team Tyrion. Hmm. Well, I mean, plus Cersei, of course, tries to kill him numerous times. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, you know, as much as we bitch about how much there's left to talk about in wins. That's one of the little threads that I hope we don't lose, is kind of Bronn is like screwing Cersei over all of the time. And thwarting her plot. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know, it, it's... I was oh, saying ahead, what's kind of fun about these scenarios and you doing these rereads is you kind of pick up on all the what-if scenarios. I like to think, like, what if Jamie had been around and able to champion Tyrion? I don't think Cersei would have made this demand because she would have assumed that Jamie just would have done it, right? Well, I don't. I mean, not with one hand. Yeah. No, I'm that... saying. She, so he had his hands. Oh, going oh, super okay. wifey. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah, I definitely think she wouldn't have if two-handed Jamie was available. Because it's not necessarily a fight to the death, is it? Like you can, you know, they can kind of. I don't know. Is it? Can, can, can you yield? Well, I don't know. When I, I think I, of I like no the trial, you know, Dunk's oh, yes, trial by seven, like you can, I can't think yields. of the right. Yeah, you can yield. Yeah, you oh, can you're yield. right. You're That's right. right. Yep, you can yield. So I don't think she would have even named Jamie because she would have just, you know, been. She would have worried that he'd yield. Hmm. Oh, that would have been a good move. <laughs> But, I mean, it's interesting because, like, the next chapter after this one, it's, you know, Jamie. He's he's here. He's at this trial. So like Yeah, the funny thing is that Jamie is, in fact, here. Yeah, like, he's seeing all this, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's... it's oh, go ahead. It, well, I was just going to say, it's also kind of funny, which I didn't mention, but that, you know, Tyrion's first thought is, oh, I'm on trial again. I guess I need to do trial by combat. That's the only way out of this, you know, oh, mess. I mean- it is. Like, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and as soon as Kevin tells him that, oh, Cersei already picked uh, Gregor, and he's like, she's thinking of my every move. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, worked for him last time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only, you know, if he knew Jamie. So here's the question, though, is if Tyrion knew Jamie was there, could he have named Jamie? Like, could a Kingsguard fight against the king, per se, I if think- they were both well, chosen? I think so. Yeah, I, and he's of royal blood, I guess. Yeah, then you assume Tywin would have like just settled, basically. Like that would have mm-hmm. been the thing that yeah. would have caused him to like, yeah. okay, not gonna happen. 
Yeah, that would have been the checkmate move. Yeah, I think if there's a two-handed Jamie available right now, this go this all is very different. Well, even one-handed, I mean, if you know Tyrion and Jamie sort yeah. of made the, you know, kind of made the equation like, well, if you name me, there's no way Dad's gonna, you know, he'll let her yell, let right. it make yeah. me do right. this. So you know, we'll get you out of it, type of thing. So why do you guys think that Tywin doesn't go to see Tyrion? I think this is just his chance to be rid of him, and so whatever. Agreed. One way, one way or the other, like he's either going to die or he's going to go to the wall. But like, it's kind of like, what's the point? Well, like, yeah. but if you're Tywin, do you want this trial going on? You know, you, I would think you to, wouldn't, just because it's yeah. your family name yeah. and, and how he is about the family name. Like Kevin talks about it in great detail at one point, like how he had to restore our family name after our father sullied it or whatever. And like, this is kind of yeah. like, well, why would he let this happen? Do you want both of your sons now or, you know, you want, you know, both of your sons are Kingslayers and do you really want like a, a long trial to like destroy one of them? I mean, you kind of feel like Tywin would go in and, and like really, you know, give Tyrion the harsh truth of, you know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to confess. You're going to take the black, you know, he would, go in and do that himself yeah you're right it is funny that he doesn't try to get him to like basically create make the plea deal before they start the trial yeah that is funny unless Unless he did it and that makes too much of a loose cannon i don't know that he cares that he did it i mean i think we've talked about how you know we've talked about from tywin's perspective other than the fact that Tyrion's on trial, this is fantastic. Like, this is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is like everything he should have, you know, this is like everything that helps him, basically. Yeah. He gets a pliable, oh, yeah. you know, he gets a pliable younger grandson on the throne that he can still keep the, ty- you know, keep the Tyrells in, in the fold. And, you know, I guess maybe he thinks, I don't know. I mean, I. what do you guys think? Like, does he think like Tyrion being taken off the table is a good thing or a bad thing like i i mean i don't think he thinks it's a good thing i doubt he thinks it's a good thing but i mean you know is it gonna bother him that much probably not yeah that's that's why i think he's just whatever about it so yeah yeah, he doesn't care. So we we actually begin the trial the next day, and it it is interesting that Tywin at least has like the foresight to to understand that he shouldn't sit in judgment alone on Tyrion because that just wouldn't look good from any perspective. Should so he, he sit in judgment at all? No. Yeah, no, I agree that, with you. That's, no, when, he <laughs> when Kevin tells Tyrion, "Oh well, since it's your dad, there will be two other judges. He's got two other judges with him. Like, what? Well, shouldn't he just have three judges? One not being him? That's like what I thought. Uh, this must be control freak Tyr- or Tywin, where he just can't completely step away from it, take himself out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's dragged." Um, Mace Tyrell and Prince Oberyn into this mess with him to be the tribunal, basically. And um, I think doesn't Tyrion notice the first day that that clearly Mace Tyrell is already completely decided against him. Um, and so they start bringing in um, witnesses, and it's interesting how the way that they start wasn't a Balon Swan yeah. that they, that they started with, yeah. who who actually was pretty fair to Tyrion. Um, so he, does, he remembers what he did on the Blackwater and can't imagine that he would do it. But then, like, has to be truthful about all of the 
circumstantial evidence. So it's actually like maybe one of Cersei's more brilliant moves. Yeah. Like maybe she should have been a you know she clearly should have been a lawyer weirdly enough because she's quite <laughs> good at this. Well, yeah, and so we well that's exactly it's because she sets up the witness list so that it basically it starts with um, Balin Swan and then moves on through the Kingsguard going with each time it moved to somebody who hates Tyrion a little more. And of course, all of the Kingsguard have seen the terrible interactions that he's had with Joffrey over the years, including him, you know. Slapping Joffrey and um, fighting with him on various occasions. And then um, I think that we get through, what is it, the first day? Is it, I think it's just Kingsguard the first day. I can't even remember. Um, And after the first day of testimony, Tyrion's pretty sure that this is not, you know. Well, it's sort of shitty, way. too. Like, he doesn't get to cross-examine the witnesses at all. Like, he tries to interrupt them, but that's like he doesn't actually get to ask them any questions. Yeah, it's funny because Tywin has him completely, like, he can't talk at all. Yeah. Well, needless to say, this doesn't really work like our modern justice system, which doesn't work that well. Which also doesn't work. (laughs) Which doesn't work that well anyway. Um, So we we move on. And it's funny also, Tyrion throughout this is thinking about um, Sansa. He's convinced that Sansa did this. Even though he's he's sure she must have had help. And there's um, one part where he's really kind of pissy about it. Like yeah, when he like finds he... out that she she <laughs> took off. Like he's really pissy about it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Tyrion, like what are you expecting of this poor girl? Yeah, I mean I get it. He is stuck holding the bag and he does think that she did it, but it yeah. it's it is I feel like this is one of Tyrion's like fewer, like really, really noble moments where he like, you know doesn't throw her under the bus, even though he clearly would still like her to come take the stand. <laughs> he doesn't, he and I doesn't mean, really turn on her. The only reason he really doesn't turn on her is because he's nobody's going to think she did it without me helping anyway. So what's the point? Yeah. Which he's right about. Yeah. Right. So we move on. Um, through the testimony, we get, I think it was day two, we started into Pycelle and, like, the wedding guests. Um, and it seems like everybody's just lining up. Everybody who was a guest at the wedding is lining up to offer testimony against Tyrion if they really know what they're talking about at all. Including, like, I noticed that they mentioned Tana Merriweather in here. Yeah, and Peck is in there. and yeah, there were a lot of names. I was like, I don't remember this like, at all. It's like a Feast for Crows like preview, you know? Like all these characters that we're going to get to. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a great chance to ingratiate yourself with, you know, Tywin and Cersei. So everybody is, like, jumping at the chance. Um, and then after that whole day of testimony, I think it is um, Tyrion is feeling pretty um, deflated. And obviously he understands that he is definitely, definitely going to go down for this. Um, and then Kevin comes to talk to him again. Um, and basically Tyrion's like, okay, well, what about Varys? I think he might have asked about Varys the night before. And um, anyway, Kevin's like, yeah, Varys is not going to help you. Um, and then we get uh, to day three. <laughs> yeah, we get to day three of Varys' testimony. And his is the most damning because Varys is kept really detailed spying notes on everything that Tyrion has done. Varys can can verify that Tyrion stole the poisons from Pycelle, even though 
you know, they know that he didn't steal the specific poison that did this from Pycelle. It doesn't seem to matter. But I like um, how they just let Varys get away with, well, how do you know, how do you know this one of my little birds? And like, oh, okay. Like, they all just accept oh, yeah. that. Like, well, oh, well, yeah, that's right. You're, you are a master of whispers. So, yeah, that checks out. What? Yeah, exactly. And so that, all of that goes on. And so at the end of this day of testimony with Varys, it's, you know, everything's done. Like, it's over. Tyrion so, knows it's completely done. From, so let's, can we talk about Varys for a second? Because I am trying yeah. to understand what is his motivation for turning on Tyrion here? Because I feel like Varys, you would, you know, it seems like Varys is at a point where he should, he should be like causing, just like causing problems and, you know, siding with Tywin here, you know, if, because Varys doesn't, I mean, Varys doesn't know that Tyrion's going to kill Tywin. So, you know, Varys is setting up a situation where Tywin is going to have, like, pretty firm control and power with, you know, a pretty pliable monarch and, you know, a situation where presumably, like, the Lannisters can reconsolidate power and, like, there'll be stability in the realm. So, I, you know, I feel like why would he... Why would he do that? Unless he's already in cahoots with Oberyn and knows that, like, Oberyn's already poisoning Tywin, so it doesn't matter. Like, otherwise, it doesn't seem to make sense to me that he would side with Tywin unless he knows Tywin's going to be off the table. You know, I actually wondered the same thing. And then I noticed that that George slipped it in here that... Tywin, and it's funny because I forget who it is that says it, but they basically say Tywin hasn't named Tommen as Joffrey's successor yet. Oh, so, so he's going with the civil war between Marcella and Tommen, perhaps? I don't know. I assume what it is is that Varys is in a position where he doesn't even know what move Tywin's going to make, and so he has no choice but to act really, really loyal, mm-hmm. is my guess. I don't know if anybody has a better guess. I don't know. But since Tywin hasn't even named who the next monarch will be, everything's kind of up in the air, I guess. Which, how does he get away with that? Why wouldn't it have immediately been Tommen? Well, and, like, for securing the Tyrell alliance, like, obviously it's going to be Tommen. Like, he's not going to give that up. So you would think, like, he'd be, you know, reassuring the Tyrells, setting up that betrothal. Like, that's, you know, what else would he do? Well, it's just like, I don't understand how he gets away with letting this go for even a minute. I mean, like, normally, I mean, like, when when Robert dies, yeah. they immediately declare Joffrey king. I mean, I don't understand why it isn't just an Unless, immediate like, what, transfer. Unless, like, what, Tommen did it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the Tommen theory. That's a new one. Hmm. He was there. <laughs> for, you could shape a whole thread around that on yeah. R-A-S-O-I-A-F. Yep. But, um, so anyway, yeah, I don't know what Varys' motive is, but there's no question that his testimony has damned Tyrion. Um, and so the night after Varys' testimony, Tyrion has pretty much given up when he gets a surprise visit from Oberyn Martell, who... Um, Number one, a bit about the fact that Cersei might actually be interested in marriage yes. with him, and I don't know how I've kind of um, skipped yes, this. Yes, like and propositioned yeah. him. Like this is new information that's clearly not new, but you know, new to me, I guess. Like I didn't catch that before either. 
I mean, I definitely knew it was part of the story that, you know, there that this was a marriage that was being tossed around, but I didn't remember Cersei being so game for it. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, I mean, given what happens in their future, this would have been the best move for both of them, but, but wow, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, huh. I mean, how far did that get? You know, did they do it, do you think? I think maybe they could have done it. Oh my god, I never even <laughs> thought about it. You know, she has to give a little taste. The first taste is for oh free. <laughs> this is how rumors start. <laughs> well, and I mean, Oberyn's a sophisticated man. She's not protecting virginity or anything. Like, you know, who knows? Oh, God. I'll bet there's a fic about it somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. Someone has written that garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's total trash. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it just seems and like... Oberyn launches into his whole, yeah. you know, if this were Doran, we would be... Yeah, well, Oberyn launches into his whole thing about, about how if this were Doran, they would be drowning Marcella instead of Tommen. And I had kind of forgotten this, too, how much he talks about Marcella being an heir, a possible heir to Joffrey. Um, this really sets up a lot of what's going to happen in Feast. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, like, who, you know, his kind of question about who would Cersei side with was interesting. Um you know, cause I well, think and how we Tyrion's not sure. Yeah, we, reflect, we, we reflexively think, oh, Tommen. But then, you know, no, actually, you know, yeah, it would support her claim for the rock. Like, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it would make more sense for her to go with Marcella. Well, that and Tommen is clearly not Cersei's favorite. No. <laughs> no. So we we continue this conversation with Oberyn, and um, of course we get to you know Oberyn talking about the the reason that he came to King's Landing, which is justice for his sister and his niece and nephew, and he kind of pushes Tyrion for you know possible answers and information, and and he kind of pushes Tyrion to turn on Tywin and say, was it Tywin who ordered uh, Gregor to do this to you know kill Elia and um, Aegon, and um, it's funny how even here, Tyrion won't turn on Tywin. What's that about? And he doesn't even think about it. Like, he immediately just know. Yeah. And, yeah, and I don't know what that's about. I mean, it's his, you know, like, he, you know, think about it. Tyrion didn't turn on Cersei and Joffrey, you know, through the, and I mean, granted, like, obviously his life and his position was in danger in the at Blackwater, but I mean, he he never even thinks a minute of, you know, I could get the fuck out of here and, you know, hightail it to the, you know, hightail it to the free cities. You know, he is, he's in it. Like, he's part of the team, whether, you know, the team really wants him or he really wants the team. He's he's on it. He's been drafted. Yeah. And this yeah. is, this it reminds me of the actual, the Purple Wedding, the end of that chapter where he's standing there and he thinks to himself he knew he should go. And yet he found himself moving closer to Cersei's side or whatever. It's that same kind of thing. Like, this is his, you know, this is his family. These are the closest people to, you know, people that, you know, we think about, like, how they don't feel about him. But, I mean, I think he loves them. Like, I think he loves Tywin. I think he loves Cersei. I don't know if he loved Joffrey, but, you know, he does love them. It's just, you know, really unfortunate. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, he clearly does because, I mean, this is, you know, he has nothing left to lose here by, you know, giving Oberyn what he's looking for. And yet he doesn't, he can't, he can't throw Tywin under the bus even at the end. Um, I mean, he's pretty much facing certain death at this point. Um, but then, of course, in the end of everything, Oberyn does offer to be his champion. I remember the first time I read this, I did not see this one coming. It still gives me chills when I read it. It's so funny yeah. to think this was Pedro Pascal's first scene on the show was this scene. And I mean, like the, it's the first scene that he filmed rather. And you know how perfect he is in that scene and like how oh, that man. does kind of, it's, it's really, this is one of those ones where it's really hard to read the scene in the book without flashing to the show because I feel like yeah. it was done. Oh, absolutely. So the well. torch. I would be. Yeah. Champion. The torch. <laughs> like just, I love, you know, yeah, it's just like, Oh, uh, and T- Tyrion's reaction to it too in the show. Oh God. So good. yeah. Like that kind of almost crying and re- you know, like relief, like that just relief. The, yeah. Yeah. Like some, you know, here's some sliver of of hope and stuff. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, it's a great moment in in both, and you know, it just makes what's to come even worse. <laughs> Fuck you, George. My <laughs> oh, God, it's just. I mean, I. Yeah, it's like you almost wish you could go back in time to read it without knowing what's going to happen, you know, <laughs> to like kind of have oh, like, Oh, golly. this is going to be it. This is going to be this triumph. And you know, Cersei and Tywin are going to get <laughs> theirs and Oberyn's so awesome. <laughs> and then, oh my God. <laughs> but even, I mean like Bronn foreshadows the battle. Like when he's talking about how, you know, to battle Gregor, he makes that, you know, line about like, Oh, you know, he's not too dangerous on his back. <laughs> like, Oh shit. <laughs> They actually yeah. like very strongly hint at exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like this is one of George's strongest moments too, because you know when when it happens, it makes total sense that of course Oberyn is going to jump at any chance to kill Gregor Clegane legally. Um, you know, it makes total sense. Like you should have seen it coming because it's been set up for three books, basically this, this yeah. backstory about Elia, but you just don't see it. And it's, it's so satisfying because it actually completely fits in with the story as it's been laid out. This is, this is one of George's better moments. I feel it's like It's kind of funny though, because I think, you know, when we read the chapter that Oberyn was introduced in this book, like he is introduced as like the Poochie, you know, like he's the hot new thing. But really, like he's kind of off the canvas until this chapter. Like his whole his whole like existence in the books is basically three chapters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like wow, it's quite <laughs> it's quite an impression in those three chapters. What are three but, chapters yeah. they are? Right. We get like we <laughs> right. actually get like so little of him. Um, you know, which is maybe you know part of the reason that he's memorable is you know we certainly don't tire of him. That's for sure. No, and now you're making me miss Pedro Pascal on the show too. No, <laughs> yeah, can't he come? That was a good time. It was, you know, the yellow robes, like everything. <laughs> everything was wonderful. Um, I feel like Kama will kill us if we don't go back and comment a little bit on like Kevin's hero worship of Tywin, oh, though. So funny. Yes, you're right. She will. Um, because Kevin talks so much about um. Basically, Tywin is a, a man and a person, and also talks a little bit about Tywin's um, love for and relationship with Joanna. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of talking about, like, how their house was down, you know, kind of mocked and everything, and Tywin brought him back, and, you know, his thanks for that was being, you know, screwed over by Ares, basically, and, you know, it's like, you know, he, you know, had all these slights, even though he was, like, a really good hand of the king, and, you know... Tommen, or Tommen, I mean, it kind of sounds like something Tommen would say, actually. It's like the Kevin Tommen thing. You know, Kevin's like, oh, he's a just man. And, you know, Tyrion has that moment, like, you love him. And, you know, Kevin's just like, he's my brother. And, like, it's interesting to think about their relationship and then think about, like, Jamie and Tyrion's relationship because... You know, like they, you know, both sets of brothers. Well, you know, both sets of brothers obviously love each other, but it's such a different, um, such a different dynamic between them. You know, like I think the love between Jamie and Tyrion is like way more personal, whereas like Kevin, I feel like, like admire, like Kevin really admires Tywin, and I don't know that either Tyrion or Jamie would never, like. I don't think that that admire is a word that either of them would ever use. Like envy, maybe, but never admire. You don't think Tyrion admires Jamie? I think he does. I don't think so. I think like when you think about the way he thinks about Jamie, he thinks of him as like this, you know, tall and handsome, but like reckless and you know never thinks anything through. Like he kind of denigrates him a little bit in the same way that Cersei does. Like both of them, like really. I mean, they don't think much of his intellect, that's for sure. Yeah, but he always thinks that Jamie could save him. I mean, like, you know, like, think back to yeah. the Game of Thrones, how, like, you know, when he's in trouble, the, the first thing he thinks is, oh, where's Jamie? I need Jamie to save me. Like, with the me. sword, you know, not with... That's the thing. Yeah, it's like a, uh, not a multi-dimensional view of his brother. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, I mean, I think they admire one another, but the, another difference between... Tywin and Kevin and Jamie and Tyrion is that um, Tyrion's never had to like work for Jamie in the way that Kevin has had yeah, to like work true. for Tywin as like his boss basically. Yeah, that is true. Like, I just can't imagine like Tyrion and Jamie being in those roles at all. Like, it's sort of like I know what happens in like modern fiction that people write. You know, one of them's the boss of the other, or they're working together. But it just seems like in canon. They, you know, it just would be so weird. It'd be so weird to have, like, Tyrion, you know, coming up with a battle plan for Jamie. Like, it just seems like neither of them would know quite how to act in that circumstance. Like, <laughs> who takes the lead and who, you know, like, that would just be really weird for them. They've seemingly never been put on the same, like, they've never been in the game. And I mean, maybe that's because George, you know, literally wrote it so that they've never been in the game at the same time. Like, he's never written them like, in it together in the same place. Like, the only, I mean, you know, how many times, like, what is there, like, two scenes of Jamie and Tyrion together in the books? Yeah, I think that's it. Like, the breakfast scene at Winterfell and then, the you know, the one coming up, obviously, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, there are memories of other scenes, but yeah. yeah. Which is really yeah. amazing when you think about, like, holy shit, they really only have two scenes together? Wow. That's true, and yet it's a it's it, it's it's kind of like Oberyn. It's a relationship that kind of is bigger than its its space in the books. I mean, do they have a close? I mean, I feel like they have a closer relationship than any of you know than any of the Stark siblings. That's for sure. 
bigger, bigger. Well, probably not than John and Arya, but or John know. and Rob either. I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it's close. I mean, I I was thinking like comparing them with like Theon and Asha, but I mean, they haven't really spent that much time. You know, they never really spent that much time together. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is, that is a weird one. That is a, that is an interesting question. Are they closer than any of the Starks? In a way, yeah. I mean, like... They're older, so they've just, like, known each other longer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to get some... St- I don't know. I mean... Dark I can't about that. John and Arya, I don't know. Yeah, I think John and Arya are pretty close. I mean, I guess if we're going to go siblings, you know, Jamie and Cersei. Although, actually, Jamie and Cersei really aren't that. Like, <laughs> no they're not even that close, no. though. They, like, they don't really yeah. know each other, you know? Like, they actually don't. Like, I think I think Jamie and Tyrion are closer than Jamie and Cersei in terms of, like, actually knowing each other. <laughs> I think, like, Cersei and Tyrion know each other better than Jamie and Cersei know each other. Ooh, you might not be wrong there. Yeah, I that, think I, I, yeah. I can yeah. get on that line. I mean, they're the ones who are checking each yeah. other. You know, they're checking each other's moves. They're, you know, they kind of have each other's number. And, you know, Jamie clearly doesn't have anyone's number. Like, no. maybe the phrase. Like, he's just. Although, I don't think Cersei knows Tyrion that well because she's really demonized him in her head. Yeah, yeah that but I mean, he did, like, poison her and, like, kidnap her son. Like, he spilled some shit on her, too. Forgot when he poisoned her. He sure did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this that's is so little diarrhea. <laughs> for like days. Oh, yeah, is it like, really poison? <laughs> she was out of commission for like shitting for days. Like, <laughs> that is like terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, it's funny because it's Cersei, but it's still terrible. <laughs> Just and, because like, we enjoy it. Right, and kidnapping Tommen, like, yeah, it might have been for his own good, but still, like, he did <laughs> kidnap him. So, I mean... He did. And, I, you know, I think we can, you know, I don't... You know, Tyrion probably should have killed Joffrey, but just in a way that he wouldn't have gotten caught. But, you know, I mean, I don't think it would have been beyond the pale for Tyrion at some point to have killed Joffrey. No, no, but, like, the whole thing... I think the most ridiculous thing about, like, Kevin or Tywin believing this is... They know how bright Tyrion is. Like the idea that he would be so stupid to do this so publicly and in such a way where it was so obviously that the, 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 the fingers were going to be pointed at him. Yeah, at him. Yeah, that I, I've never understood why. Well, Kevin seems to believe that Tyrion did do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even before the trial starts, like he he tells Tyrion, like I wish I could believe you didn't. And I've just I've never understood why Kevin would believe that Tyrion did it. Yeah, I, I don't also either. think Tywin has a pretty low opinion of Tyrion. I think there was even a moment where he says, you think you're a lot more clever than you really are. So I don't think he's ever going to give him full credit for his intelligence. So. Although, I mean, Tywin can't, you know, Tywin can't blame the Tyrells. You know, politically, he can't blame yeah. the Tyrells. Politically, yeah. he can't really blame Oberyn. So he, you know, his, their, you know, his best play was the, oh, he choked on pie. Yeah, and Which, he also yeah, and you know, he also can't have the question of like 
you know, who killed Joffrey, right? Yeah. Being in play. That's got to get settled right. in quick. Has, has to be somebody. Like, it would have been best to be like, oh, he choked on pie. You know, we opened him up and there was a giant piece of pie, you know. But I think, you know, Cersei kind of prevented that play. So then it was just, you know. Yeah. What's the best, if, you know, the best option are the son he despises, the Tyrells or Oberyn, I mean, like, the son he despises is probably the best option. I mean, frankly, for Tywin, the best option would have been Oberyn killing Gregor Clegane in a a trial by combat. Like, that's the best outcome, because then he kills some, like, then everyone that could personally finger Tywin is dead. From Oberyn's perspective, Oberyn's somewhat satisfied. Tyrion's, you know, oh, the gods have proven it, you know. And Joffrey's still dead. You think think Oberyn would have been satisfied? I don't think so. Well, I mean, he poisoned Tywin. Tywin Because they talk about that specific poison. That's the only one that Pycelle mentions what it actually does. And that's just not in there for no reason. Yeah, I you know I'm beginning to buy into the whole Oberyn poisoning Tywin thing too. I, I really think it's happening. I mean, like, and especially the way that Oberyn talks here at the end yeah, about how what... Tywin may not live very long. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely makes Oberyn. You know, it makes Oberyn's play, and it makes Varys's play make sense if Varys knows it's going to happen. You know. So. Yeah, I I really do believe too. Oberyn had a big hand in getting the poison into Joffrey because he's trying to, you know, put himself in that position where he would be the defender. Yeah, and I think, too, like, Oberyn isn't, you know, Oberyn isn't, frankly, allowed to do whatever he wants. Like, you know, he still is answering to Doran, and Doran's only going to let him get away with so much. And I think, like, killing Gregor is sort of like, the okay, you know, you had your fun. Yeah. Now, you know, come back, we're going to, you know, then we have the fire and blood conversation with Oberyn, basically, like, cool your jets, you know, we're going to, some shit's going to go down, like, you you know, don't worry. Although, Doran should have clearly had that conversation with, like, a bunch of people. <laughs> Here's the plan. Yeah, Doran should have had a lot of conversations yeah. with a His lot of people. His entire family? Yeah, like, everyone, here's what's going to happen. Everyone, you know, <laughs> calm down. But yeah. Relax, I've got it. Right. Like, where's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and I, I completely forgot, too, that Kevin had told Tyrion um, the night before Varys testified that, that Tywin was ready to make a deal and let him take the black, basically, if he confessed. I forgot to say that, too. Um, which I'm sure Kama would not be happy if I skipped. It is weird to think of, you know, when you're reading the book for the first time, you know, Tyrion taking the black and and going to the wall, actually, like, you kind of, I would think you would think that would make narrative sense. Like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, Tyrion's going to go to the wall with Jon, like, you know, they're going to fight, like, this would, you know, and like, oh, and Stannis is going to be up there. Like, you kind of would think this could all make sense. Like, I could definitely see that running through George's head at some point when he was trying to figure out where he was going with this. Yeah. I could could see him going down that path. Because isn't Tyrion, like, in the original one, Tyrion was supposed to burn down Winterfell and he was in a love triangle with Jon and Arya? Oh, my God. Yeah. (sighs) He had to get up there somehow, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad he went a different way with a lot of this. (laughs) Like, is there anything from that original that's, like, decent? That still could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could. That's true. Like, 
a whole lot of variables, but I guess it could. Ugh, God. Well, I guess we're at the end of the chapter then. Does anybody have anything else to say? Anything else that I skipped or forgot? Well, I wanted to read this, uh, my favorite section of this chapter. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to, I can't wait to hear that on, on the right chapter. (laughs) In two more weeks. (laughs) I feel like you're just going to be quoting anything with gore in it in Tyrion's next chapter. Probably. <laughs> it's a good, it's a safe Seems like bet. a solid, a solid bet. Okay. No probably's about it. I already know what I picked. <laughs> <laughs> Lot loves a fight scene. <laughs> Lot, you're she the one that had, did you, did you kill Tommen and then turn him into a white? Or am I like Mr. Yeah, I, I did, but it was off page. <laughs> and then killed him again. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because <laughs> once wasn't Blood enough. Thirsty. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that weird though when you think that neither in neither Game of Thrones nor in the book so far we haven't had a scenario where like a main or like bigger character has been turned into a white and then killed again? It seems like that should have happened. Not yet. Wait for it. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, not a wait. feeling. I know, I mean I don't really want it to happen, but it seems like it, you know, kinda has to, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. yes, I think so. I, think, I don't think it's going to be good times when it does. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I you know, I'd settle for her unless being it's horror. Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we had the stupid dragon, but I feel like that doesn't really count. No. Um, okay, so uh, who had mail tonight? I did. Who, do we? Have, we actually we have, have we have a bit. Um, So we have one, uh, they're all from Tumblr, actually, and we have one from Millennial. Um, And I have to be, like, I don't, there's a spoiler, spoiler warning for game, for season eight here. So if you want to stay spoiler free for season eight, you should probably stop listening right now. Um, This is a comment on our last episode, which was the preview episode. She says, okay, I've been following you guys for a long time. Like, you literally make my day whenever you upload. But today I was shook because of that JB spoiler that one of you dropped. I mean, I'm dead because of fangirling so hard since then. <laughs> I love you guys. I love your discussion and your arguments and stuff. Please keep up the good work. Love ya. Um, so I love how Devin gets no option not to be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, we didn't actually say anything. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. We didn't actually say what it is. So No, you I didn't will... say it. You yeah. didn't say it. Um, Are it's, you, it's good uh, or bad. I don't know how to proceed. <laughs> Let's just move on to the next question. Um, it was amazing, though. Let's just say that. And it was Jinmo. So, like, yeah. praise. Okay. She did a lot, oh, of, she did a lot of work. Very excited. Um, we have a bunch of anonymous messages. <laughs> how would you rank the characters in terms of sexual skills? <laughs> like, we almost should save that for the next drunk cast, whenever that is. That's definitely a drunk ass question. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Okay, we're going to put a pin in that and save it. Um, Actually, unfortunately, like a lot of these, there's a a couple that are good um, anons. There's a couple that are really good drunk cast questions, and well, two. So I'm going to save those. So I've got two more. Um, If Cersei and Brienne got a scene together, how do you think it would play out? Oh. 
in the books. I, I assume they mean in the books because they yeah. had one in the show. Yeah, well, they that's had true. The yeah. Oh, you love them, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely not that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like disbelief from Cersei's perspective. Like, she kind of can't, you know, I mean, Kevin tells her, Jamie went off with this Brienne of Tarth, and Cersei is like, he left with a woman? He left with her? Like, she doesn't get it. Well, he, she knows who she is. Cersei saw her. Oh, yeah. She knows who she is. Yeah. Um, It's funny. I'm kind of glad that they don't have an interaction in the books, I guess. I kind of love triangly moments like that myself, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like anything that Cersei would say to Brienne, Brienne's thought about herself. Like, I mean, Cersei yeah. can be, you know, Cersei can obviously be pretty vicious, but I feel like Brienne's pretty vicious to herself. Yeah. yeah I could see that being like some kind of cutting remark meant to hurt her feelings and Brienne's just like, just, you know, this isn't impacting me in any way at I, all. I mean, I almost feel like Brienne would be defending Jamie somehow. Like, that would be like her part of a conversation would be, you know, to defend Jamie against some remark that Cersei would make or some, like. Like, you don't know your brother. Yeah, yeah. Like, but not, I mean, she would never do it in like a claiming him kind of way, I don't think. It would be more of a, you know, he's you know, better. I don't know. It's just, he's not who you think he is, I guess. Um, anything else? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, at least we know there's tons of fic that has scenes between Cersei and Brienne that you could go read. Yeah. For other people theorize. People that actually have good answers. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. So one last question. These are like really good questions. It's sort of unfortunate. You're catching us tonight. Um, this one is another Anon. How do you think the five-year time skip uh, George planned would have affected Jamie and Brienne? I mean, I feel like they... Well, I'll let other people answer it. I shouldn't ask the question and answer it. Go back. <laughs> no, I don't mind. Go for it. If Go you got it. something. Well, I just... I think, like, they wouldn't exist. Like, I think... You know... Imagine, you know, are they going to pine for each other for five years? I mean, I feel like part of the reason that, I mean, yeah, like George couldn't make the make the timing work and stuff, but I also think he had like a big ass Jamie and Brienne itch that he needed to scratch, and you know, he needed to write that he needed to write that story, and yeah, he needed that's... to like write Jamie's story. Like, I mean, we talk about the five year time skip in terms of like. John and the and the Stark girls and Danny, but I mean Jamie is the character that needs you know Jamie's the character that he needed to fill that gap in. Like he couldn't leave the Jamie at the end of at the end of A Storm of Swords. Like he oh, needed yeah. to write that guy and in, in that moment, right? Yeah. And so I mean he's the you know he and Cersei and Brienne are the characters that actually get the development and the plot that you know, is in place of that time skip. So it's sort of hard to, like, like I feel like it just wouldn't happen. You'd have, you know, King's Landing in, like, a shit show because of Cersei, and then, like, you, what, you'd have Jamie like, hanging at the rock? Like, what would he, you know, or hanging well, out in King's Landing? And Brienne is, you know, wandering the Riverlands for five years? I mean, it just doesn't <laughs> seem to... To be fair, I could see her doing that. <laughs> 
I mean, I kind of have always assumed that during the five-year gap is where Jamie and Brienne reunited um, originally. Because how mad would you have been if, like, you read the book after A Storm of Swords and it's like they have, like, a infant and, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was ever the or plan. Infants. <laughs> yeah, like they're like living in a hovel somewhere with like two kids and you know making breakfast. <laughs> yeah, making porridge. Like highly detailed <laughs> porridge. Like Oh god. I mean I doubt that that was the plan, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because I think we know a lot of what happens in King's Landing with Cersei was intended to happen during the five-year gap. And, yeah. like, he he wanted to swing in right at the end, probably where she was being arrested. So that's why I've always kind of assumed that Jamie and Brienne's stories also were probably part of the gap. Whereas with some of the characters, he just skips what he was going to do with the five-year gap. Um, kind of like with Danny and John, he really condenses it, I think. With Tyrion, yeah. he condenses it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know, but we never, we'll never really know. Right. But I mean, I think you know, don't you feel like though? I mean, just given everything else that he's done, like there's that period of time where it's like, dude, you really had a hard on for these two. Like you were a shipper. George. Oh no, he like, did. He, he did. He wrote a book about them. Right. I mean, this is. It's funny because people have been talking a lot lately. You know, I still check the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit sometimes and people have been talking about George's writing process and what he did in the past and they were like oh here are all the progress updates that he was giving like when he was writing Feast and when he was writing Dance and like they're all about how many chapters he's turning churning out that he didn't intend to turn out and the reality is that once you look back at it you can tell that what he was churning out was Jamie, Cersei, and Brienne mm-hmm. um, chapters because he just really wanted to write this stuff when he yeah. was done with the storm like Come you on. said now. you know how ha- like I've read a few things lately like there's you know okay there's obviously a lot of rumors that there might be a wins announcement in the future, which to which I say, remember 2015. <laughs> like, I will believe that when I see it. But then, you know, people have gotten into the fact that, you know, they're talking about splitting the books or people have, you know, thought, hey, why don't you just, you know, release some of, you know, release different portions of this as, you know, novellas, basically, like, you know, release some of this as novellas so that, you know, whatever wins is can be, like, the more streamlined plot going forward. Which, you know, if anything would, you know, obviously you think about wins and, like, all the battles and all that shit. And it's, like, the Jamie Brienne Sansa stuff that probably actually would, like, be a novella. Which, I mean, good God, yes! Like, just give me that! Like, that'd be awesome, you know? I'd be happy. Right. (laughs) I'm good. But it seems like there's, you know... Their story, I mean, it's weird, though, because, like, their story fits thematically within Feast as well. I think it's just, you know, he, yeah, he really, you know, he really wanted to write about it. It seems like he's really excited to write about Greyjoy stuff for wins, just given, like, his excitement about, like, what chapters have been released and whatnot. And so, yeah. I'm Devin. (laughs) 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 I mean, his, the... The Aaron sample chapter, I mean, again, it's, like, really good writing. It's, you know, maybe not what we want to read about. It's kind of the... <laughs> yeah, it is, it's good, but, oh, God, does anybody care? <laughs> no, I don't. I kind of I mean, care. 
I mean, I just, I don't want that plot. Like, I don't want a supernatural supervillain. Yeah. Mm, Like, we already have the supernatural villains, so I don't know that we need two. But, you know. If you count count Catelyn slash Lady Stoneheart, we actually already have two. And if, you know, is Bran, you know, if Bran and Bloodraven are secretly villains, like, is everyone a fucking villain? Actually, I'd be down if everyone was a villain. Like, it's like (laughs) a shit ton of supernatural forces. Like, okay. (laughs) That could be interesting. But yeah, it's just... We'll see. Or what about, even we'll, the mountain? What is it? Oh yeah, <laughs> supernatural yeah. villain. <laughs> right, we've got it. Yeah, we, we have so many supernatural villains. Like, yeah, do we need? Do we need more? Probably, you know, not. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's our mail. How did we get here from talking about the five year gap? This is crazy. I think I it was know. in terms of like the in terms of like a novella and like would it have been you know could he have done dance I guess and feast in one right. book if he would have stripped out. You know the Cersei Jamie Brienne chapters into like, uh, you know, separate novella. But I mean, I think again thematically, you know, Brienne and Jamie's chapters fit. You know, they, they kind of fit the theme of the book really well. Like it'd be a really, you know, yeah. it'd be weird to like take the Riverlands, which has been like the centerpiece of so much of the books to date, to like take that out of a book. Like I mean, you'd be lifting out that entire that entire aftermath, which I feel like is something that he wants to write about. Like he's not writing to glorify, you know, to glorify war and to glorify like the, you know, heroes of war. It's, it's not the story that he's writing and it might be the story that people want to read, but you know, I (laughs) have certainly come around to like enjoying feast probably more than, you know, more than a storm of swords even. Well, of course we do. It's all about Jamie and Brian. Like literally, he wrote like a he wrote a book about our ship. So yeah, I mean, of course we. <laughs> but you know, it's a book that they never. You know, if you think feast, like they're never together in it. They never, for one moment, interact in it. And that's our that's no. our fucking book right there. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that pretty much got. sums up the ship right there. Like, and that is all we'll ever have. And him. it was and it was twelve years ago. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. Podrick Payne still hanging on that tree. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a good question. This was a good discussion to come out I know, of one tiny question. really good questions. And, um, we love questions in yeah. mail like this, guys. This is great. Where um, can they send us more, though? They can send us more at... I love that. I love... <laughs> Teamwork. Love you're here. At uh, close the door and at gmail.com, you could email us these questions. Um, mm-hmm. And we definitely have our Tumblr, which I always know because it is our full name, which is close the door and come Um And you can always catch us on Twitter where we are at door podcast. Yep. Right. Right. And um, as always, we very much appreciate all of our patrons who support us on Patreon. Um, and I don't remember our URL lot. Do you know it? I usually just tell them to look up close the door. <laughs> <laughs> We're totes profesh, guys. <laughs> we run a tight ship around. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, panel, for um, hanging in here with my um, impressive moderating today. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Saved the day. Yeah, stepping up this shit. All right, guys, I'm closing the door. Get out. <laughs>